We're continuing a series called Heal. One of the things that I recognize um, is that one of the big things that happens in us and that God wants to do in us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we come to him, is that he really does want to bring healing into our lives. Healing from the effects of sin that we've engaged in, healing from the effects of some of the wounds that we pick up as we go through life. But healing is a big part of what God does for us and why Jesus came to the earth to, uh, uh, to sacrifice his life for the human race was to bring healing to us. Um, and so uh, we're in this series um, working through Romans chapter 12. And if you like to follow along in your Bible, uh, turn to Romans chapter 12. Um, we're working through this chapter as we focus in on the healing that God wants to bring to our lives. We, um, we're focused on different things throughout this series. And today we're focused on maybe kind of a tough uh, topic or it can be a tough topic and that is forgiveness. The truth is that God offers us forgiveness. He offers to forgive us freely. We simply must put our trust in him and again, what Jesus did for us when he came to earth and suffered and died, that when he sacrificed himself, that sacrifice was enough to pay for our sins and to cover them so we could be forgiven. And the Bible says uh, that forgiveness of God is a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Um, and so uh, it's a gift that God gives us, this forgiveness. And as we read the scriptures, we find that when we've received the forgiveness of God, he asks us, he actually requires that we give that gift to others. And so as we go through this sermon today, my prayer for all of us is that we might uh, grapple with, maybe wrestle with this issue of forgiveness. And maybe there's someone that you'll be able to give the gift of forgiveness to as a result of today that you haven't been able to do before. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, um, I got in trouble from time to time. I don't know if you did, but I wonder if you can remember a time when you kind of got scolded or got in trouble. Um, <clears throat> one of the times, there's so many, it's hard for me to pick, but one of the times that I can remember was um, uh, my grandparents on my dad's side, uh, they lived in Connecticut. And my dad was in seminary school in Indiana. And he finished school and he had to go through kind of a um, uh, that's kind of a big test for him to go into ministry. And so he put together a panel of pastors and everything, and we had to travel to, um, uh, to that East Coast. And so um, I and my four siblings got dropped off at our grandparents for like a week or two. And I had spent some time with Grandma and Grandpa Simpson. I knew him a little bit, but not real well. And so this was like an extended period of time uh, with my grandparents. And they lived in a kind of a rural town, Canterbury, Connecticut. And um, my grandfather was kind of this, um, a little bit of a mysterious guy to me. He's kind of a little gruff, kind of quiet. Um, he was a World War II veteran. He'd been a diesel mechanic. He was a strong guy. And so I knew him. I respected him, but I didn't know him very well. And over this two weeks or whatever it was, I got to spend a little more time with him. And, and, uh, and he really made some effort to get to know me and uh, found out I liked baseball cards. And there was a true value hardware store in town and they were giving out these antique baseball cards. I don't know, but he, we'd make trips down there and, and um, he made sure I got all of them, whatever they were giving out. And, and so it was kind of a fun week. Well, they had a little acreage and he had this, uh, 
um, old, well, I thought it was old at the time, but um, it was an international, a yellow international uh, lawn tractor. And he had like a mower for it and a trailer and he had a big garden and stuff. And so he let me uh, get to drive in that thing. And I was having fun with it. I hadn't been able to drive a lot of stuff. I was 13, you know, maybe I rode a, a bike, but something with a motor, you know, it was kind of fun. And so I drove it all week. Well, my mom and dad came back to get us at the end of this time. And I have this memory um, and it is as though it happened yesterday, right? And that is that um, I was in the gravel uh, driveway, kind of their little um, uh, drive and, and area parking. And my dad and my grandfather are standing there. And you know, I had figured out that um, in driving this little lawn tractor that if I popped the clutch, you know, the wheels would spin a little bit. And so I was doing that in front of grandpa and my dad. I thought it was fine. And all of a sudden my grandpa, in kind of his gruff way, said, hey, stop popping the clutch on that thing. It's not a car. And I mean, I was like, oh. you know, I was embarrassed and I was uh, in trouble. And, and it was a pretty small thing, right? But I remember it today. Maybe you've got some things like that where you, where somebody got after you, a coach or a parent or a relative. Those things stick in our heads. And of course, that wasn't any kind of a scar or anything I had to deal with. But, but there's things like that that sometimes do stick with us. And you know, that's a pretty mild thing. What about the things that are even a little harsher where somebody really comes after us? Maybe they're what you'd call an enemy or somebody that really wants to harm us. And they're seeking to bring destruction and hurt into our lives. When we talk about forgiveness, we just recognize that as we go through life, a lot of what we've got to deal with in order to be healthy is the things that happen to us as a result of living in a world with people that aren't always good. And don't always want the best for us. How do we handle those things? How do we keep those things from sticking with us and bothering us and being under our skin and getting to us where there's a wound down there and there's a problem and we may not always recognize it, but it's there. And what do we do about those things? Because whether you know it or not, it does affect how you go through life. And as we read the scriptures and what we're going to look at today is God really has um, a desire for us to be spiritually healthy. And again, one of the things that God wants to do in us is, is restore us and fix those areas in our life where there are wounds and hurts. And he wants to bring us to a place where we can interact with others in a really amazing, miraculous way, where we can respond to people different than humans respond to each other, okay? We can respond to others with a supernatural power and ability that we can really treat others and respond to others, even those that, um, that, that are against us, we can react to them the way God would react to them. There's a, a powerful aspect of life where we're called as people who put our trust in Jesus and are following him, we're really called to represent God in the world. We're to be different than everyone else. And this area of how do we interact with people and how do we respond to people and how do we deal with the, with the areas in life where we've been uh, hurt or wounded, because we do get hurt and wounded, right? But how do, we, how do we work through that? How do we heal from it? How do we become healthy? And so today I want to dig into Romans chapter 12 and look at uh, this gift of forgiveness that God wants us to receive from him and then give to others. In Romans chapter 12, 
Um, the first thing we see in verse 14 here, our beginning, uh, our beginning verse, is that we are to pray that God will bless others. We know that God's heart and desires to bless others, and he wants us to walk through life with this same attitude, this same approach, this same response. But at times, it's going to be difficult. And so Romans 12, 14 says this, <clears throat> bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I know that's hard to receive, so let me just read it one more time. This is, this is intense. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried um, to bless someone that is persecuting you, but this is no small request, requirement. This is no small teaching. Might be one of the most difficult things you've ever tried to do if you really tried to attempt this. And yet it's laid out here um, as though it's in the course of life. It should be uh, something that we're familiar with and able to do. It's a, it's a teaching that's coming and could only come from God. Who are the people that persecute you? Have you ever been persecuted? What does persecution look like in your life? Um, in this era, the time the Apostle Paul's writing this book to the church in Romans, again, the Holy Spirit is uh, breathing through him. This is, the in, this is an inspired word of God, so these are God's words. But it, it was written by a man who lived at a time in history, and, and there was persecution being directed at uh, the human author, right? the Apostle Paul, and to those who were claiming to be Christians at that time to follow Jesus. And that persecution looked like a threat on your life. There were people that were coming after Christians in that era and had the intent to kill them. Um, in our time, fortunately, we haven't experienced much of that, certainly not in our country. But if you've identified yourself as a Bible-believing Christian, someone who respects the authority of Scripture and believes that the Bible's true in its entirety, right? If you've identified yourself in that way, you may have experienced some negative pushback. I know my mom, when she was growing up in the 60s, lived in Utah, and this was a predominantly Mormon area and very um, heavily Mormon-populated city, and so most people respected God in some way. But when my mom, as a teenager, decided to start taking her Bible to church— she was made fun of for that. Pretty mild, light thing, but you may have experienced some pushback, a sense that maybe you were old-fashioned or stuck in a bad time uh, in life. You know, I've sat in a coffee shop next to some people <laughs> that expressed the desire, not that maybe Bible-believing Christians would die, but maybe that they would just go to another country or something, you know. So I know that's out there. There's a sediment uh, that might be called persecution. But, but what does it look like to be persecuted? And what would it mean to bless someone who persecutes you? This teaching really originates with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' teaching, he says these words, starting in verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. 
Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You might sometimes think the unjust get more rain than you do. <laughs> Their crops look, no, you would never think that. But, but God's saying, hey, I, I, the, everyone lives under the same, in the same earth under the same experience. God doesn't withhold things from people based on how good they are or how evil they are. It goes on to say in verse 46, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The instruction here is to have a different approach, a different reaction to people that come against us in this life. People that might be viewed as enemies or people that want to hurt us. Our response is not to be like the rest of the world, which certainly is our natural reaction. But we're called to be perfect like God is perfect, to react and respond to people the way God does. The powerful thing uh, that some have recognized about Jesus is he doesn't just teach these things, he lives them out. And that's why when we see Jesus hanging on the cross, being killed by the people he came to save, right? He loved the Jewish people. He came to offer them the kingdom of heaven. And yet they rejected him. And ultimately they're crucifying him through the Roman Empire. That Jesus, as he hangs there, he lives out what he had taught the people in Matthew 5. And that is, while he's hanging on the cross, dying, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's able to respond with forgiveness and love in the face of hatred and people trying to destroy him. But some people say, well, that was Jesus. That's not fair. He's the son of God. He did things that no one else could do. No human could do that. Well, I'd encourage you to look in Acts chapter 7, where Stephen, who was a follower of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, has some harsh words some truth in love to the nation of Israel, to those who had killed Jesus. And he's preaching to them the gospel about who Jesus is. And they're so filled with anger and hatred toward him, they pick up stones and begin to stone him, knocking the life out of him. He falls to his knees and he says, God, don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. It's possible for you and I to respond this way in the face of hatred, in the face of anger, in the face of persecution, how do we get to that place? I know that I struggle with this. There's times I feel like, okay, I, I kind of get this and, and I'm kind of able to respond not in like manner, you know, the way someone's coming at me, but I, I certainly don't always get this right. But one of the things I've tried to do just as a tactic to give myself a little time to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me so that I don't react right? Uh, the way I maybe feel, feel uh, like I'd like to react at times. What I've tried to do as a strategy, and maybe you can try this, maybe you've already gotten past this, but, but this is where it's at for me sometimes. I just, I just don't respond. All right, I try hard. 
in the face of what, what feels like an attack, just not respond. And, and what that does is it keeps me from reacting in a way that I shouldn't, but it gives me some time to try to work through the internal stuff going on. And so uh, there, there at times, yeah, there can be some churning, right? And some, some desire to uh, react. And so I just, um, I try not to react and then I, I process it, right? We all have ways of processing this stuff and dealing with, with it. Some of us just sit in a quiet place and do it internally. I'm more of a verbal processor. So my wife sometimes gets to hear me process and she'll listen to me and say, honey, you know, you need to forgive. You need to move past. I know I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Like I'm trying to get there. Here's the thing. I know it's the goal. I know it's where I need to go, but it can be hard to get there sometimes. So I think it's okay to work in the right direction, but, but you've got to at least know that that's the goal. That's where God is trying to take you. He's trying to grow you to the point where you can do this. Now, the other thing I try to do is just verbally out loud, pray that God would bless whoever it is, right? God, would you bless them? I'm sure you know how tempting it is to pray that God would bring destruction. (laughs) God, would you stop them? But that's to pray the curse or not to curse them or to pray God's blessing that God would bring joy and happiness into their life. You know, a lot of times the reason people act with anger towards us and come after us is because they need to experience some of the blessing of God in their life, right? And so this gives us that ability kind of to get above the situation and to, to respond the way God would. He's trying to grow us to the point where we react to people different than the rest of the world. Another level of involvement, sensitivity, if you will, to others that God wants to take us as we move on in this passage is really we're encouraged here in chapter 12 of the book of Romans to develop empathy for others. Not just to not respond with anger to anger, but to bless and to pray for blessing. But really, the next level that we see in this chapter is to develop empathy. And empathy, right, is the ability to walk through with others and experience what they are experiencing. Uh, Follow along as I read verses 15 and 16. This is what this passage goes on to say. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Empathy. The ability to walk with someone else and to feel what they're feeling. When you see that somebody's having a good day and they're exceptionally chipper, are you able to be happy? Are you able to enter that with them? Go, hey, man, I'm glad you're having a great day. Let me have a great day with you. Or do you want to dump some cold water on that horribly irritating positive attitude, right? How do you respond? How about when somebody's weeping? Can you weep with them? Can you allow them to feel that sadness and actually feel it with them? Or do you want to say, hey, just trust God. It's all going to be okay. You shouldn't be hurting if, you know, you just need to grow your faith. Like we have that tendency, right? Sometimes you just want to get past that awkward encounter. But really what the scripture's saying, what God's saying is we need to develop the ability to go into where people are at and connect. 
I saw a podcast recently with um, a guy that used to be pretty popular when I was younger, and he's kind of a psychologist, and he was saying that, that modern psychology today believes that empathy is the highest level of human evolution. If you can get to the point where you can empathize with others, you can put yourself in their shoes. Now, I don't believe in evolution, I don't know about that, but I do know that God teaches us to move in that place, to be sympathetic, to be sensitive enough that we can encounter and engage with people at an emotional level. And I know for some of us, man, that's just messy and yucky and we try to stay out of that. And, uh, and I, I certainly understand that. But just know that what God is trying to move us to is a place where we're comfortable and able to connect. People when asked what they want most in a leader or a boss or whatever is, is empathy. That we can understand what others are going through. This connects us in a powerful way. If I'm able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, if I'm able to understand what it is they're dealing with and going through, then I'm more able to understand and I'm more able to be supportive of them, right? And this kind of gets to that next bit where he says, um, live in harmony with each other. And, and that harmony is just that ability to be in sync and to, uh, to experience and to go through life together in a way that's... Um, that's beautiful, that's complimentary, that, that allows me to support someone else and allows you to support someone else in a, in, a, in a positive way. And it creates a powerful depth and richness of experience for us as human beings. And that's what God wants us to have. We weren't meant to live in isolation and to go through life independently. We're supposed to go through life together. And harmonizing, you know, is in music, and I'm not a music major, but I know that harmony, and when people harmonize, it's beautiful. It sounds amazing. And so I know it's a good thing, right? They're in the same key, different notes, but making music that's beautiful together. This is what the scriptures is, is teaching us to walk with each other through life, to experience life together. Harmony really comes through humility. Um, maybe you've known someone, seems like there's always somebody like this in our lives, at times anyway, and the goal is just not to be that person, right? But that you've always got to adjust to them. You've always got to, connect, you've always got to make an adjustment to, to be where they're at because they're just stuck in their own world and they don't really have the ability to understand what everybody else is going through because they're focused on them. And so you always have to adjust to them. But really, harmony means that I have to be able to adjust to others. And then I'm able to do that. And that means that the world can't just revolve around me, but I've got to be able to understand where others are coming from. He goes on to say here that we're to have this ability to connect with other people regardless of what they're like, what socioeconomic strata they're in. Are you able to connect with people that are in a different spot than you, that aren't like you? Um, I've known poor people that thought rich, rich people were snobs and didn't want to be around them. I've known rich people that didn't really want much to do with common folk, right? It, it, we tend to categorize each other and we, uh, those differences separate us. But the apostle says, listen, you've got to be able to connect with others and don't walk around like you know it all because that's off-putting. That makes you unable to connect. So empathize with others. Connect with their situation. Understand what they're going through. Care about them at a deeper level. This creates relationships that actually help us move through this life. 
Healing will move you to a place where your heart is softer towards others. You're more able to connect. You're more able to empathize. You're more able to support somebody else in what they're going through. These are good things. These are the things that walking with God and moving through life with him and allowing him to transform our inner life, it's the kind of stuff it will do in you. Ultimately, as I look at the scriptures, there certainly is scripture about gaining justice, right? When someone's wronged you in terms of relationship, you're able to go to them and sort it out and say, you've sinned against me and try to gain a place where they repent of what they've done and, and you're right you know, in the situation, they're wrong and, and you're encouraged to do that and kind of given the right to do it. But there's a lot more scripture about showing mercy, about seeking unity, about taking the responsibility to work things out. There's a lot more scripture about that. I think really what God's calling us to do in terms of being healthy, in terms of being whole as people is developing the character to treat others right. That as we walk through life, we do good to other people. And we're able to do that because we have experienced the healing and transformation that God wants to bring to us. The last two verses in this section we're working through this morning, verses 17, 18 says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Never repay evil for evil. Um, how difficult is that? We might want to, we might intend to, we might know that for us to respond with evil by more evil, it just identifies that we're as evil as the person that has committed the evil against us, except we're, get, we're just, we're just uh, responding to them. We didn't start it, you know. But still that capacity is within us. Um, one of the things that we discover, Alexander Sorzenichin said it this way, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. How simple that would be. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? When we find that we want to respond to evil being done to us with evil in response, we discover that we have the same struggle as everyone else. We're, we have the capacity to do the same kinds of things. And that is what needs to be changed in us. The only way really evil can be diminished is if we are transformed into the people that God wants to make us into. His creation that reflect him, that do good in the world, that are able to respond to evil, not with more evil, but with good, with grace and mercy and forgiveness. That is how the world gets changed. God told Israel even back in the Old Testament to allow him to enact justice or judgment or even revenge. He encourages us as people to stay out of the revenge business because we're not, uh, first of all, if we, if we go after revenge, we get caught in the trap of hatred, right? And so he says, stay out of that. In Deuteronomy 32, 35, God says to Israel, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip their day of disaster will arrive and their destiny will overtake them. 
It's like, I've got this, I'm in control of it. What we tend to want to do when somebody gets us is we kind of bide our time and we wait for an opportunity where we can get them back. I have a couple of scars where I had to have some stitches um, because I think, I think this is how my little brother <laughs> responded to uh, some of my picking on him, right? But that's how we kind of tend to do it is we go, hey, I'm going to wait for my moment. But when we get caught in that revenge business, we really end up overdoing it. We don't just get it even, right? And so God says, stay out of that. You don't have the character to do it. He's the one that really loves all of us and he knows what we've done. And he said, I'll meet it out. I'll make sure that justice is served. Jesus, in Matthew 5, 21 through 24, he goes to another level even with this instruction about how we interact with people, how we respond when we are mistreated. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, <clears throat> leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. <coughs> God says, I care about how you interact with others. How you treat them, it matters to me. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry, a ministry we have here at the church and kind of been talking about this, this month. And it has eight principles that come from the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 where Jesus is teaching and the sixth principle in Celebrate Recovery goes this way. Evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harming or for harm I've done to others when possible, except when to do so would harm them or others. It come from these verses, Matthew 5, 7, where Jesus says, God blesses those who are merciful for they, are, uh, they will be shown mercy. And 5.9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. In order to heal, we've got to deal with our issues with people. And we all have them. And sad to say, they're not over. You'll continue to have them. Because we live in a world where we're all fallen and we all wrestle with our sin nature and so you're going to be hurt and you're going to hurt somebody else. It's just simply a matter of growing in our maturity so that we know how to respond. And we're able to respond the way God teaches us. God wants to heal you. He doesn't want you to walk through life with the wounds and hurts that come from the way others treat us. He wants you to be healed. And I guarantee you, I can make few guarantees, but I can guarantee you that he can heal you no matter how deep the wounds are. Will you take a step or steps in that direction? Maybe you need to consider coming on Wednesday nights and just engaging that process of healing. Maybe you just need to take a step. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. As I shared last week, usually when God's prompting me to do something, it's the last thing I want to do. It's uncomfortable. 
And yet that's the path to healing. You're not going to get to healing without going right through that, without processing and dealing with what's been done to you, what you've done to others, and working through it. Um, Before we moved here, uh, Mary and I and our family were involved in a church plant effort, and it took a lot, uh, it was a lot of work trying to start something up is always hard. We had a great team and a lot of support, but after four years, we just said, man, this isn't going to go. Everybody was kind of exhausted, and we had to close the doors. And uh, boy, I found at the end of that, I was just wiped out. I mean, I was wiped out. I was exhausted. And honestly, I was angry. I was kind of frustrated with God. I felt like he didn't fulfill his side of the bargain. I was angry at some people who I thought had let me down. And I didn't really realize all that until I was driving around the state of Colorado with a sales job looking at my windshield and God started to talk to me. And I certainly talked to him too, but he talked to me a lot and started to show me and expose to me my heart and where I had gotten off track and some ways in which I had, um, out of my pride and ego, right, had attached myself to things that only God can do. And I had some issues. And God started to work through those with me. And he started to reveal to me that the anger I had towards people really was as a result of my own issues and my own problems. But I had to work through some forgiveness. I had to let some things go. And I found such a relief in that. Man, it was just like weight being taken off my shoulders. And, and that's the process that God wants to take us through. And he wants to bring healing to us. And I just want to encourage you that God loves you more than you know. He cares about where you're at. It's not always comfortable to deal with this stuff, but it's so important. Because it'll bring you to that place where you are walking in the life that God wants you to have. You know, John 10.10 said that Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. When we're walking around with hurts and we're walking around wounded and we're trying to live out of that and muscle through it and just, no, it's not going to affect me. It affects you more than you know and it affects the people around you more than you know. And so I just want to kind of implore you as a man who doesn't like dealing with emotions either, right? But, but listen, there's so much good down that path. If you're in that place and you need to work through some things with God, again, this is a place you can do that. You're not going to get judged. You're not going to get looked down on. It's a place where we can um, engage that process of healing. And there's so much good on the other side of that. Um, so let me, let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for um, your goodness and your desire to bring healing into our lives. You certainly don't have to do that at all, but you do because you love us and you care about us. And so God, this is kind of a tough sob- a subject for some of us. Um, there's some fresh wounds or some things that hurt and it's hard to, hard to deal with those. It's hard to even try to be honest about them and figure out where we're at. And so I just pray that your spirit would invade each one of our hearts, allow us to open up to you and, and, and uh, allow you to do that work that you wanna do inside of us. Bring us to a place where we're healthy and we're whole and we're strong and we're able to bless those who even persecute us. We're, we don't respond with evil for evil, but we respond with evil by doing good. We're able to live at peace with others. God, help us to move in this direction by the power of your spirit at work within us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we wrap up this morning, you know what John pre- preached and taught this morning um, this is tough, and without really a miracle from the Holy Spirit in our hearts, 
I mean, it's not going to get done. That we can try to manage, and we can try our, our performance, and we can try our hardest to forgive people. But to really forgive from the heart and experience healing is something that can only happen from Christ. And how do you know when that's happened in your life? You know, there are certain situations in my life where it's, I have to think about, you know, have I actually healed from that or have I just, you know, put it under the rug? Have I actually forgiven that person as, as Christ actually um, created healing in my own heart and life? And I want to read one scripture as we close. Of the apostle Paul dealt with a group of people who were very hurt. But when they experienced true healing from Christ, they demonstrated physical, tangible fruit and evidence that God had done something in their life. That if, when God really brings healing, there's a tangible, physical evidence of fruit and lifestyle change that happens with us. And this is, Paul is describing what he saw from the Corinthians. He says, the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation or a hatred of sin, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. So I just want to invite the elders and some of the prayer team up to the front and just want to pray for us this morning that if there's anything that God's stirring up in your life and your heart that you want prayer for or someone you need to reach out to, um, don't put it off because the longer we put it off, um, a lot of times the harder our heart will get. So Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, and I just pray that just like we saw in the the Corinthians, Lord, that that you can do a, a powerful change that goes beyond just our minds, but it gets into our behavior and the way we uh, live our life, God. So I just thank you for the word that you've given us through Pastor John this morning, God, and I pray that all of us would take it to heart through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.